Hello and welcome to episode 7 of How to Buy a Kitchen or Bathroom, the podcast brought to you by these3rooms.com. I'm Lindsay Blair, your host and editor of These Three Rooms and Kitchens, Bedrooms and Bathrooms magazine, and thank you for tuning in as always. Before we get started and I reveal what goodies to expect from this week's pod, I've got a small favour to ask you. If you are enjoying this podcast, I'd love to hear about it, so do go onto your podcast store and leave me a rating and a little review, and don't forget to subscribe so you get notified of the new episodes every week. How handy is that? Enough of that for now, on with today's topic and our esteemed guest. This episode, I am talking to a very knowledgeable consumer expert about everything you need to know about actually buying a kitchen. It's not quite as straightforward as picking one out of a brochure or buying two to send one back because one doesn't quite fit. I know I've been guilty of that with some things in the past. Nope, it's a bit of a minefield when it comes to buying a kitchen. But fear not, we're going to make it simple. By the end of today's chat, you'll be armed with information on where to start your search for a kitchen company, what questions to ask, what an agreement looks like, and crucially, how to get the right kitchen at the right price for you. Need some help finding those all-important kitchen or bathroom suppliers? From kitchen and bathroom companies that can help with your whole redesign to brands specialising in sinks, taps, showers, tiles and so much more, head on over to the These Three Rooms directory and search using your postcode to see which companies are close to you. Simply visit these3rooms.com forward slash directory and we'll help to get your project going. Welcome to my guest this week, joining me by the powers of the internet. Hello to Matthew Knight, who is a principal researcher at Witch. Welcome. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to speak to you, I should say. How are you? Yes, we're not actually in the same room, are we? We're opposite ends of the country, possibly. I'm not sure where you are. Where are you? I'm in a, I'm in Nebworth in Hertfordshire. Ah, okay. Not too far away then. And so, Matt, tell the listeners and I a little bit about what it means to be a principal researcher at Witch. Sure, yeah. So, so yeah, as you say, I'm a principal researcher at Witch. I've worked at Witch coming up for eight years now, I think. And basically, the role of a principal researcher is quite varied, I'd say. Over the years at which I've kind of been in charge of vacuum cleaners, electric bikes and things like this. But more recently, uh, I manage a small team that does hands-on assessments of products and services. So, for example, last week I was uh, managing a test uh, at Brooklyn's racetrack in Surrey of electric scooters. And, uh, and this week I'm, I'm talking to you. So the role is, you know, it's quite varied. From electric scooters to kitchens. Exactly. That is very varied. Right. Excellent. So I'm sure you're filled with useful tips on how to buy a kitchen and how to avoid any pitfalls from a consumer rights point of view. I guess the first thing I want to ask is starting right at the beginning of the process of buying a kitchen. So imagine I'm a homeowner and I'm in the market for a new kitchen. I've got some ideas of what I want already. Where should I start my search and how should I start to find a company that can help me achieve my vision? The great news here, and I would say this, wouldn't I, because I, I am from Witch, but I do genuinely believe this, but uh, Witch has just got some fantastic free advice around choosing a new kitchen. 
So if you go to the Witch website, there are all kinds of advice guides that will give you nice tips if you've got a big kitchen or a large kitchen. But then uh, what Witch also does is these. So we do a huge survey every year of almost 4,000 people who've bought a new kitchen in the last few years. And from that survey, essentially, we, we can rank and rate all of the, the big kitchen providers in the UK. So you can go on the Witch website and we will tell you, based on the experiences of thousands of people who have bought kitchens from those companies, what their customer service is like, what the quality of their kitchens is like, what the after sales care is like. And as well as that, we also buy kitchens from these companies and send them to a lab where they're examined and assessed by technicians at the lab and traders. And they're rated and ranked for the, you know, for the quality of the cupboards, the drawers and things like this. That sounds really useful indeed and very comprehensive as well. I also read on which, speaking of the the content that you um, mentioned, I found an article that talked about that not really a standard pricing structure for kitchens. So the price you see varies very much from one brand to another. So it's really hard to set a benchmark. How do you get around that as a person who's in the market for a kitchen? Yeah, that's true. So it's very it's very difficult to kind of provide a guide for what you might expect to pay because there are so many, like, as you say, there's so many variables. So things like how your current kitchen is wired up, where is the sink in the kitchen, do you want it moved, things like this. All of these things will impact the price. And so like you say, it, it is quite difficult to give an indication. But the best advice really that I can give is to get two or three quotes from or as many quotes really as you, as you can handle essentially because I you know I appreciate it's quite a time investment in itself to go through the process basically of getting people around to look at your kitchen and give you quotes but the more quotes you're armed with three would be ideal the the more of an idea you'll have about what the price of a new kitchen for you actually means we always say at least three quotes and you know if you've got the time get as many as you you possibly can as you say another good tip when you're getting quotes as well is to ask for them to be itemized as much as possible. And when you're having those conversations with the person who's giving the quote, specifically ask if you want things broken out. So you, even in your own mind, you not you might not be sure at the time when they're giving a quote, you know, like, what material do you want in your worktop? And so ask for those things to be broken down so that you're not put off by a quote just because you might not have realized that, you know, they're quoting for a granite worktop, whereas the other one is quoting for laminates. So get as much detail as possible and then you can actually see when they're next to each other, the quotes, what's going to cost you more in one and what might cost you less in another as examples. Exactly. I mean, it also comes down, you know, the size of the space and, you know, your specific measurements, which you touched on. And, you know, it's very hard to compare to give a benchmark of what what it's going to cost and how to buy it from that. But if you go online, which, you know, a lot of us are doing at the moment, particularly as we're still in lockdown and look at kitchens available and the price and structures there. How does that compare to actually going into a retailer? And what should you think about when you're doing either online shopping or in-person shopping? Most big kitchen providers will provide an almost completely online experience now. And and some of them are really good. You know, you can join a video call and talk to someone there who will spend up to two hours with you talking you through every decision. One thing I'd say, I suppose, if you are doing it mainly online or exclusively online is to be really sure with your measurements. I mean, I haven't made this mistake myself, but it wasn't too long ago when I did redo our own kitchen in our house. And I was very nervous, actually, about taking the measurements myself. And I measured things sort of two, three, four times just to check. 
the benefit of having someone around, of course, is that they will take the measurements for you and there'll be much more experience of doing things like that and they're much more likely to get them right. So if you do decide to do that yourself, just be very aware that that's something that you have to get right from the outset. I guess another thing I'd say is that if you can, I, I think it probably always is good to go and see the kitchen that you're going to buy. So even things as basic as colour matching, we all sort of know that sometimes, even if you're buying a pair of jeans or a t-shirt or something, you see the colour online and sometimes in reality it's slightly different. And while you can make that mistake if you're buying a t-shirt, if you're redoing your kitchen and and all your cabinets and drawers are going to be in that colour, I think if you can, it's best to, to actually go and see the physical thing in real life. Yeah, that's a great tip. So do as much research as you possibly can and take advantage of these new online services and virtual experiences. But at the end of the day, once you've got your short list of things, you know, go out and see them or at least get samples of door fronts and colour palettes and that sort of thing in. Definitely. So once you've gone to a retailer, they've given you a quote, you've got three quotes at least, as we've already said. What sort of things should I be looking for to make sure that everything's included in there and I'm not going to be caught out further down the line? Things like the removal of the units, whether the fitting is included in the price, you know, the plum and the electrics. Should I be looking at things like that? Yeah, definitely. So those types of things should nearly always be included in the cost. So yeah, so you wouldn't be too impressed with you if, if somebody came to fit your kitchen and they didn't take away the old one. But particularly if you are buying your kitchen from one company and then getting it fitted by, by someone else. So you might not choose the option from the company to get it fitted you might find your own installer if you like particularly in those types of scenarios make sure you are absolutely clear with the person who who's installing it what the expectation is you know for taking away the old kitchen i think that's sensible advice and then it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning as well actually about making sure the quotes you get are itemized and don't be afraid of going back to a company and asking for more things to be broken out in their quote so that you can compare them with others ask lots of questions is something I always advise people to do you can't ask enough questions really to make sure that you feel confident in making that purchase because it is such a big purchase for a lot of people yeah and if you're and like you say if you're getting three quotes minimum as well and you notice that one of the companies has broken something out in the cost that isn't in one of the others those are exactly the types of things that you should be going back on and saying just to check is this included in the cost can you break this out for me so that I can better compare like for like Planning and buying a kitchen really is all in the preparation, isn't it? And and taking the time to do that. But I mean, the danger is when you're going into such a project, you mentioned you've do, you've done your own project. It's very tempting to just go in and it's exciting and you want to just get started and you want to order things. But would you say it really does pay to hang back a little bit? Definitely. It makes sense to, to take your time on a purchase like this. We survey people every year and they always tell us the things they wish they'd done to their kitchen and the mistakes they made. So I don't I don't know if that'd be interesting to go through. Actually, it might be useful for, for your listeners. Yeah, go for it. What's the common themes? So the most common thing that people regret about their new kitchen is that they didn't provide themselves with enough workspace. So not enough kitchen worktops. When the kitchen's empty and you're looking at it on a plan, it might look like you've got a lot of worktop space. But then when the toaster, microwave, coffee machine, things like that are on it, they're often quite disappointed with how much is left for cooking. So kind of a good tip, I guess, is to think about where you want to be in the kitchen when you're cooking, particularly around the, the hob, I guess, which is where you probably do most of your cooking. Have you got enough workspace there to do the sort of common kitchen tasks? 
that you'll be doing like chopping, prepping food. About one in 10 people say that they regret that in their new kitchen plan, which is a bit of a shame. The next one is storage. So again, not thinking about optimum storage solutions, if you like. So 6% of people who buy a new kitchen are ultimately disappointed with with the amount of storage they're left with. Nowadays, there are all kinds of clever devices that will make the most of even small kitchens. (laughs) We could do a whole episode just on storage, because if that's something that people really, uh, the biggest mistake is they don't put enough in. I mean, I don't think you can ever have enough storage, if I'm being completely honest. (laughs) Coming back to buying a kitchen and, you know, it really is in the prep and it's about thinking about how much stuff you have to store. And do you like to chop next to where someone might be making coffee or baking or you know lots of different things happening you need all that prep space so it's about really thinking and not just going in and buying the first thing you see right so I've decided um on a company I've signed the paperwork to say right I want to go ahead with this design you know I've read all the terms and conditions I've itemized the quote and I'm happy with everything I've paid a a deposit what happens if I change my mind? You know, is there a, a cooling off period? If if I see a different kitchen that I think actually that's better for me? Yeah, so the, the phrase cooling off period uh, often appears in the terms of, and conditions of contracts, particularly if you're buying online on the website of retailers. And normally it's 14 days. And basically it's the period, like you say, it's the period of time you have to change your mind about something that you've purchased from a distance, if you like. It's definitely worth checking that that cooling off period is in place. And if it is, of course, uh, you you will have that period as long as it's before any work starts, of course, to change your mind and make a different choice, essentially. And that, that is a flat out rule that you don't have to pay any exit fees or anything like that. Yeah, unless you've agreed to waive the calling off period uh, with the company in advance or the installation has begun, then that should be something that is in place. And yeah, it's just a standard. I see. Okay. And then what about installation and the delivery of the items? You know, what happens around that time? I guess that's the next natural progression. You've signed everything, you've paid your deposit, and then you're waiting for the the kitchen to be delivered so it can be installed. Yeah. Well, of course, if if you've chosen one of the which recommended providers for this, uh, this will never happen. So that that should be your first course of action. Make sure you go with the, the best provider. But with the best will in the world, of course, not accidents, but it doesn't always go to plan. And if that is the case, you should really be covered under the Sale of Goods Act and the, under the Consumer Rights Act, which says that all products that are supplied must be of satisfactory quality or fit for the purpose as described. So, for example, if your kitchen cabinets turn up and they're not of satisfactory quality, there's a big scratch in them or, you know, like bits are broken off then absolutely they, that should be covered. And I'm sure it would be covered by the company that's provided them. And what was that? The Sale of Goods Act. So that's one to remember. Yeah, the Sale of Goods Act, which is under the Consumer Rights Act. Okay, I'm going to ask you about repairs now. So the kitchen's arrived and, you know, delivery's fine. There's no problem. But a few months down the line or a year down the line, I've noticed a few little things that are you know not quite satisfactory or you know I've scratched something so are things like repairs once installation is complete usually included in contract of sale yeah so that should be recovered under a warranty so it's always worth looking at the varying lengths of warranties that you might get on new kitchens but if you know if faults are starting to appear within a year or two then I would I would expect those types of things to be covered 
under a warranty. Otherwise, if your kitchen's a bit older and it's not covered under a warranty anymore, usually small cosmetic updates, let's say, or cosmetic fixes to kitchen really shouldn't be too expensive to be covered just by you know a local tradesman. Yeah, I guess it really pays to have a, a good relationship with your kitchen retailer and your designer, you know, so you can have an ongoing conversation with them about any you know, snags that need to happen. Exactly, yeah. And one thing that we haven't really talked about here or mentioned is, is the cost of all of the appliances that are going to go in your kitchen. Lots of people treat it a little bit as an afterthought, to be honest. So firstly, I suppose you should think about the appliances that you want to keep. So lots of people who are are trying to sell you a new kitchen might suggest that you just get a new everything. And they also might not give you actually that much control over the brands and types of of new products that you're going to get. So a good thing to think about is the appliances you own that actually there's nothing wrong with them. You really like them. You want to keep them. That will save you quite a lot of money uh, on your new kitchen. But then also, if you do want new appliances, again, uh, which has got an awful lot of um, reviews and advice on on any type of appliance that will go in your kitchen so uh, a witch membership would would pay it for itself in five minutes essentially if you're getting a new kitchen i mean i've been on there myself you know it's all impartial isn't it so you are testing everything and looking really in depth into every single function and how it would actually work longer term as well all of the product reviews that we do on which are all of the products are tested in a lab uh, under laboratory conditions to enormous test programs so you know we'll do 50 60 70 different individual tests on these appliances to say which are the best and worst Uh, and on top of that as you've just touched on we also do these reliability surveys every year so you're talking sort of 10 15,000 people we ask them which appliances they own and essentially if they've broken down in the last year and from from this we we can tell people which are the most reliable brands and, and which ones aren't yeah, that sounds great. I mean, this whole episode and everything you are saying, it's all about instilling the consumer with the confidence to forge ahead and make a decision with, you know, all the information that they need and to give them the confidence to ask the questions to make sure that, you know, they're not going to get ripped off at the end of the day. So with that in mind, what is your best consumer advice to anyone out there who's looking to buy a kitchen? So definitely shop around, get those three quotes, as, as you said, so that you can properly compare prices. Uh, I really would recommend as well looking at our kitchen content, particularly the kitchen brand survey we've done. So there are some major kitchen suppliers out there that haven't done very well in our surveys for things like customer service and quality of the final product. Also some major kitchen suppliers that the, the trades when we asked to look at them weren't particularly impressed with the, the final quality. Interesting. I shall be checking that out myself. Well, Matthew, it's been super informative. Thank you so much for sparing the time to chat today and for sharing your great knowledge on how to successfully buy a kitchen. I hope everybody listening now has the confidence to go out there and ask all the questions and to to shop with confidence. Um, We'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. Bye for now. How good was that? Matthew had some fantastic insights there. I'm definitely about to go and check out the research from which I really respect the work they do over there. So I'm looking forward to seeing all of the bits and pieces that Matthew mentioned there and finding out a little bit more about them. The three main points I took from that episode were to get at least three quotes if you're in the market for buying a kitchen take your time and do your research 
and thirdly ask lots of questions ask for a detailed breakdown and go over your quotes with a fine tooth comb before signing on that all-important dotted line I hope you enjoyed the episode. As ever, if you do have any questions or you want to give any sort of feedback, drop me a line on hello at these3rooms.com. Don't forget to follow KBB Magazine on your social media channels for daily inspiration and all the updates you need to know. But for now, thank you again for listening and join me next time for more of how to buy a kitchen or bathroom, the podcast. Mm-hmm.